Hey church, we want to thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast. As always, we hope that it is of benefit to your walk in Christ. This podcast is available to you, hopefully to use as supplementary in your walk rather than your primary source of connection. Therefore, if you are not connected to a local church, we want to invite you to get connected to one. We would also like to extend an invitation to you, if you're local to Clatsop County, to visit one of our two locations, either in Warrington, where services are Sunday at 9 and 11, or our Napa location, which is Saturday evenings at 4.30 p.m. You can find out more information about who we are on our website at cconline.cc or view our previous messages on YouTube by searching Christian Church Warrington and Napa. As always, if you have questions, concerns, or prayer requests, you can always send those in to ccwarrantonnapa at gmail.com or give our office a call. Thank you again for listening. Thanks for leading us in um, worship. Am I the only one when we're doing that second song? Uh, where there's the lead and then the echo part. Am I the only one who sings both parts in different voices? <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm, I'm up there like, I will worship, I will worship. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I think I'm only supposed to do one of these. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Sorry you had to endure like five seconds of my voice there for singing. It just doesn't. It's not very good. Uh, welcome. Uh, if you are new or visiting, uh, welcome here to uh, Warrington Christian Church. Their lead pastor, Tony, is away this week, and so I'm not usually the person up here. I'm just filling in. My name is Matt. We are in a series, though, that's a, just a brief kind of three-week series on mission, kind of looking at uh, the mission of the church. Last week, we talked about what it means to love God, and we're working from a theme verse kind of starting over in Mark. I'm going to read that real quick. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so this morning, we are kind of focusing on that second commandment. You should love your neighbor as yourself, kind of boiling it down to the theme of this, love others. Uh, As individuals, as a church, we are called to love others. And I want to kind of throw out a statement that we're going to kind of use to guide us through uh, this subject as we talk about what it means to love others. And it's simply a quote, a, a brief quote by an author named Richard Rohr. And it simply says this, in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. I'll repeat that. In the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. And that's going to kind of guide us as we talk through what it means to love others. And I got to be honest, this is a difficult message in a lot of ways, because it's so simple and because you've probably heard it before. If you've been to church maybe one or two times, or if you've been to church for your entire life, you've heard a sermon or a part of a sermon that has something to do with the theme of love others. So if you've heard this sermon or a variation of this sermon over and over and over and over again, and so it's a little bit difficult because when we hear something over and over and over again, it's tempting to kind of tune it out a little bit. It's a little bit like if you have kids or you've ever worked with kids, you know how this goes. You'll say something over and over and over, and you get the response that's just, okay, I got it. Kind of like my my son, my six-year-old, every time he kicks his soccer ball into the street, hey, look both ways as you go into the street. I know. And then he immediately runs into the street and doesn't look both ways. 
right? That's kind of how it is with this message of love others. It's one of those things where we hear it over and over and over again. It's been preached at us through so many different stories. There's really no fresh way to do it. We've heard all the stories, all of Jesus' miracles, all the times he fed people, healed people. We've, we've heard it preached out of Acts where the early church is sharing with everyone in need. We've heard this sermon over and over and over again. I think it's also a difficult message to preach um, and even to listen to because we fail at it a lot, if we're honest. I know I do. Like there's so, like, and, and the way it usually works is you preach a sermon on loving others or you hear a sermon on loving others and then you immediately leave church and fail to love others. Right? That's, that's usually how it seems to go. It's a tough message to stand and preach. It's a tough message to perhaps hear once again. Um, I also think it's, it's maybe difficult because on some levels, we can't even fully always agree what it even means. What does it mean to love others? What's the boundaries of loving others? What does that look like? At what point do we start speaking truth? What does that look like to truly love others? Churches have even fought and split over what does this look like to truly love other people? When we get into the nitty-gritty of it, when we get into the logistics of it, it can be a tough, tough message. I think it's also tricky because sometimes we're not even sure what we're talking about when we say love. Like, what does that even mean? When I was in Bible college, the definition that we learned for love was an overwhelming concern for the well-being of another without regard for what you receive in return. There's a lot packed into that, and that's tough to live out. An overwhelming concern for the well-being of someone else, but I'm supposed to love everyone? I'd be so overwhelmed. And then without regard for what I receive in return or for what happens? Difficult standard to live up to. It's a hard message on some levels to love others. I think it's also difficult because so much of our uh, culture, so much of our political climate, so much of our world today is basically telling us that we're supposed to be the opposite. It doesn't promote love. It promotes division. It promotes, it promotes an us versus them mentality rather than us for them or us loving them. It tries to put people in two sides and say you have to not like this other side and and view them as less than or the enemy. It's a difficult message because it's a countercultural message. I think it's also difficult because my guess would be that when I say love others, a lot of us, probably all of us, would nod our heads in agreement and say, yes, that makes sense in theory, but in practice, it's really difficult. Not just because we fail to do it sometimes, but my guess would be that you've had someone or perhaps many people, maybe it was a a child, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was someone at work, maybe it was someone who just kind of came into your life, that you truly did your best to love, and it did not go well. And if we're honest, there have been people that have been placed in our lives who did their best to love us, and we did not receive it well. So this whole message, love others, is difficult. I think it's tricky too. I'll add one more. It's tricky too because sometimes, and hopefully not often, but sometimes the whole theme of love others can even be twisted and used to manipulate people. To say, well, you have to stay in an abusive and awful situation because you just have to love others. We can twist it. Right? So there's all these difficulties. Some of them are just kind of, you know, light, like, hey, we've heard this message a lot. Some of them are really heavy, but I want to lay that out here because when we say love others, we're not simply talking about something that we, that we feel good talking about and we don't recognize the intricacies of it. 
that we don't recognize the difficulties of it because the reality is this message is difficult and the reality is that it's going to be messy, that it's going to be hard. There's going to be moments where we feel like we're failing. Um, But remember, in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. And so this morning, i got to be honest, all of those things I just presented, we're probably not going to answer every single question. We don't have time. Um, But we're going to do our best to dive into some things that might help, at least to kind of get the conversation rolling, to get us thinking. And I want to jump then into a couple stories about Jesus. Seems like a decent place to start when we talk about what it means to love others. And I love this section that we're going to jump into. We're going to go to Luke chapter 4 to start Because Jesus is just starting his earthly ministry. It's the beginning. He's about to jump into really showing us what it means to love others as he then demonstrates that through the cross and resurrection. So Luke chapter 4, here's what's happened in the past. Luke 3, Jesus is baptized. It's this big climatic moment. The the heavens are ripped open. Uh, God's, the Father speaks from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He then gets driven into the wilderness. He's tempted. He overcomes evil in the the desert. And then this happens in, in Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He goes to his hometown where perhaps the people that he's grown up with are maybe a little bit more difficult to love on some levels. He goes to his hometown and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, verse 18. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So here's what Jesus does. He steps into the synagogue. He's about to start his public ministry of loving others, and he reads from Isaiah 61, which is basically this whole section on Isaiah 61. He's saying, hey, I'm the anointed one who brings healing, who brings restoration, who brings love, who's going to change everything. That's me. And that's me because the Spirit of God is literally empowering me to do that. Here's how Jesus jumps into loving others. Here's what's at the very base of it. He understands his true identity. He understands his mission. He understands what he's there to do. He understands that the Spirit is empowering him and the Father is cheering him on saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I think our first step towards loving others, church, is we have to realize what we are. And that is a Spirit-empowered community, a chosen people, a spirit-empowered community that God himself has powered to go and show the love of Jesus to others. And if we don't realize that identity, if our identity is hung up on other things like power or prestige or, or trying to be something that we're not, we'll fail to love others every time. We have to understand what our identity is. That, that Paul, when he writes, he refers to the church literally as the body of Christ, Right? Jesus here is physically on earth in Luke 4, but he's going to die. He's going to come back to life in the resurrection and then ascend into heaven to reign over his kingdom. And the image is that the church then, with Christ as the head, is the body of Christ on earth. We have to understand what our identity is. 
and the power that comes with that identity. And I think on a lot of levels, when we understand the power of the church to love, that actually helps with some of those problems we talked about earlier when it comes to loving others. Because we can get so overwhelmed. How am I supposed to love everyone? How am I supposed to do that? What's that supposed to look like? It's not an individual thing. It's a church thing. That collectively, as a church, the church is called to love others. And the reality is that there's going to be some people who are really good at ministering to certain people and some people who are going to be really good at loving other people. Now, of course, we've got to back up. That doesn't mean that we just ignore the people we don't perhaps feel called to. But if we know that our identity is collectively about loving, it means that there's strength in numbers. There's power in numbers. If we care about loving others, that should drive us to put aside some of the more petty differences and work in unity to love others. So Jesus, he knows his identity. He's empowered by the Spirit. We have to remember our identity. And then we're going to see a couple stories as we move into Luke 5 of some things that Jesus does. Luke 5, he starts to pick his disciples. He gets his group together. Uh, He also kind of, I think, wants a group. They're going to go together in numbers. But in in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, we start to see Jesus taking action. And I want to focus on the fact that Jesus is loving those who are near to him. They're physically brought close to him. He's presented with their needs, and he begins to um, answer those needs. The people that are placed in front of him, that, that are brought into his path, he loves. And so the challenge then is, if we know our identity, it's a matter of, are we loving the people who are literally right around us, right? So we might think family. We might think friends. We might think coworkers. We might think neighbors, We might think random people that we just have interactions with during the day, those people who are brought near to us, how are we doing it loving them? Remembering that in the the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. Here's what Jesus does. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored of him, saying, You can make me clean if you are willing. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But news about him was spreading even farther, and the large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. There's literally people, in this case it's the man with leprosy, who are being brought in front of Jesus. This man comes and he falls on his face, and his, his question is, hey, if you're willing, like I think I think from what I've heard, Jesus, you have the power, you have the ability to heal. You you could do it if you wanted to. So if you're willing, would you please heal me? And what's Jesus' answer? I'm willing. Go ahead and be healed. When we think about loving others, it's a question then of who is right in front of us and are we willing to show love? Now, Here's the thing, I think where we get frustrated too when it comes to loving others is that none of us have the ability to cure leprosy or sickness. None of us have the ability to do a lot of the things that Jesus did. But remember, it's a spirit-powered church with the good news of the gospel. 
And as we're going to see here in a minute, that's an even greater message than the cure that Jesus offers here. And so I think, though, for the people that are brought near to us, what willingly loving them looks like a lot of times could look like filling physical needs. That when the opportunity arises, um, we perhaps help with that. But it could mean things like listening. It could mean things like visiting in the hospital. It could mean simply supporting someone and, and checking in when they're going through something difficult, if that be a neighbor or a coworker, It could simply mean, hey, being willing to say, I'm going to put in the effort to viewing you as a person created in God's image because they are, and I will take the effort to care. I will take the effort to love. I will take the effort to check in. I will take the effort, and again, we're not, we're not doing it just to be nosy so we have something to talk about. That's the opposite of love, but we're doing it in order to show care and concern and love, in order to show the character and heart of Jesus. It might even be something as simple as this. Every single day when you go out in public, out and about, you have people right in front of you, right? You can be at the store. There's people in front of you. There's other customers uh, people who work at the store, you don't probably have the ability to go person to person to person to person and love on them. That might get weird. People would see you at the store and be like, there's that person again. <sighs> but are you willing to pray for people as you interact with them? When there's that person in front of you who's driving and they're annoying, and I fail at this all the time, but could you, could you pray for them? When, things, when, the, when, the, when the lines are long at the store, things are not the way that they're supposed to be, is there a way to love rather than giving in to frustration, to love those who are near to you? I think that's one of our, one of our challenges. Jesus, though, is going to continue to do this. He, this story continues because he, here he ministers to this, this man's physical needs. He heals him. He does something greater, though, starting, I think, in verse, verse 17. One day while he was teaching, there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, and then he turns and says to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Verse 25, immediately he got it before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. So, Jesus, in both of these stories, he's, he's, he's ministering to their physical needs, something that I think he calls the church to do, but he's ministering more importantly to the spiritual needs. He's saying, Hey, your sins are forgiven. See, one of the greatest gifts that God has given his empowered church is the ability to look at people and say, Hey, through Jesus, your sins are forgiven. 
No, we're not the ones who forgive the sins personally, but we carry the message of truth. So many people, I think, walk around in life and they carry guilt. And their day-to-day lives are filled with shame. And their day-to-day lives are filled with embarrassment. I'll be honest, we probably struggle with that just collectively here because we're human. But because of the message of Jesus, one of the things that we can, one of, the, one of the parts of good news that we can tell people is, hey, in Jesus, you can be free of guilt and free of shame because he took that on the cross. So much of loving others, yes, there's that element of saying, hey, we're going to take care of physical needs, we're going to meet physical needs, that's a huge part of it. But so much of loving others is also saying, you know what? People sometimes just need to vent. People just need to talk. People need to hear that their sins can be forgiven. People need encouraged. People need, I think people are desperately craving for someone to just notice something good about them. To know that they are made in the image of God. Some people are just desperately wishing, will anyone notice that something's wrong with me, that I'm not myself today, that I'm struggling? And we have the opportunity to simply listen, to simply observe, to simply notice, and to simply love. And in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted because the reality is that there'll be so many prayers. If we practice this, there'll be so many prayers of love for other people that we'll send to God that we'll have no idea in this life the impact they made. There will be so many conversations that we'll have in this life that maybe we don't even think go well and we should always be checking to make sure that we're learning and growing too, but there's so many things that we might do that we will have no idea the impact it made in this life because in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. The prayers, the listening, the conversations, the hey, let me notice and just see what you're going through, it's not wasted. Don't be discouraged. And then I think Jesus, when he challenges us to love others, I think he makes it just, just a, he expands it out just a little bit. Because so far, most of what we've talked about is loving people who are near to us. And I mentioned family and neighbors and coworkers, people that we probably see perhaps on a regular basis or people that we, that we interact with within our bubble, within our city. But then Jesus challenges us here, I think, in this next section to say, hey, we've got to love others who are outside, love others who are far from us. Notice this, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's what Jesus does. is He, he, he shows us the way of loving others who are completely different than, than we are. In the day of Jesus, during this time, tax collectors were seen really as representatives of the Roman Empire, which had control of the area. And you would have viewed somebody who was a tax collector as an outsider. You would have viewed them perhaps as a traitor to your nation. And who does Jesus call? A tax collector. Who does Jesus 
hang out with, sinners, and we can find in other stories he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and sex workers. He's spending time with those who are on the outside completely different. Here's the challenge. When we say love others, we don't just get to love the people we agree with. We don't just get to love the people that look like us. We don't just get to love the people who have a similar background to us. We don't just get to love the people who have the same political party as us. We don't just get to love the people who only agree with us on certain things. The call to love others is to love those who are different from you. We don't just get to love those who have made the same choices in life that we have. We don't just get to love um, the people who have chosen the same lifestyle as us. It's the call to go out and love everyone. Those who are different, those who think different, those who make different choices, those who live a different life, because that's literally who Jesus hangs out with. It's literally who he spends time with. And one of the biggest things is interesting that, that in, this, in this section, and really throughout the New Testament, when we see Jesus on a regular basis confronting people about the way that they're living their life, it's almost always the religious people. Now, not always. We can pick out a couple of examples. For example, John chapter 8, where he speaks to the woman who's been caught in adultery, and, and he says, go and sin no more. But that was after he saved her life, after he showed love. More often than not, when Jesus sits down and confronts somebody about the way they're living their lives, he's confronting the people who think they've got it all figured out. So often with people who are different, with people who are sinning, with people who are struggling, Jesus is sitting and eating with them. And my guess would be asking questions and understanding them. And, and hearing what they have to say. No, he's not becoming them. Remember Matthew, Levi here is the one who follows Jesus. Jesus doesn't follow Levi and become a tax collector. He loves Levi. And he sits with him and he hears him and he gets to know his story. And he says, hey, guess what? In my kingdom, you can be included. And he puts this effort out. And here's the thing. We don't know what happened to the other tax collectors in the story. It seems like Levi throws this big reception and like brings all of his tax collector buddies. We don't know how many of them followed Jesus, and that's okay, because in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. The time spent loving, the time spent getting to know those who are different in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. But it's tricky, and loving people is messy. I'll give a quick example. Um, a while back, and some of, I'll be honest, I'll preface this story with this. The point of this story is to illustrate how this is messy, all right? Because um, you're going to hear this story, and there's going to be about four or five different points in the story where you're going to go, ooh, I don't know if I would have done it that way, and that's okay. <laughs> so a while back, I'm driving, and uh, I see a hitchhiker on the side of the road, right? And this is, again, uh, if we were to say, how is loving others messy? Well, the minute I mention that, it would already be kind of messy, right? Because somewhere in there, we've got to have a place for love and we've got to have a place for wisdom, right? And so in my mind, and the way that I've settled on this, I don't have an issue picking up somebody on the side of the road unless my family's with me, 
right? Because if they want to take my vehicle or whatever, that's fine. I'll probably survive, hopefully. But we're not going to do this while I have the six-year-old in the truck, right? So uh, I was alone. I stopped. It ends up, I I stop. It's it's this woman standing on the side of the road. I say, hey, where are you going? She said it was a ways down the road. I said, well, I'm going to go almost there. I'll give you a ride if you want. And as she starts to climb in the truck, um, all of a sudden, this man shows up and just yanks her out of the truck, right? Now, again, we're potentially going to see this different ways. First, on the subject of picking people up. Secondly, what do you do at this point? Because he starts yelling something about how you can't ride with him. You don't know who he is. Also, you owe me a lot of money, and you're trying to escape. And she turns, kicks him in the face. They both fall out of the truck and literally start fighting on the side of the road. And I'm sitting there in my truck like, It's a lot more than I thought I was getting into, to be honest. Um, so I kind of let them do their thing for a minute while I was kind of collecting myself and then uh, shut the truck off, took the keys because I didn't know what was going to happen, stepped out of the truck. And again, this is another point where you could say, maybe you did the wrong thing here. I just kind of stood there and I just said, y'all are going to have to stop or I'm calling the police. And they got up and they separated and they went their separate ways. And I waited for about five minutes to make sure there was a good amount of distance between them because I was concerned for specifically her well-being. And then I kept driving. I passed her again. Thumb was not in the air and I didn't stop this time. I did not think it was wise to look like a man trying to lure a woman into his truck at that point. And I kept driving. Was that the loving thing to do? I don't know. There's like four or five points in that story where you could go, I would have done this differently. Or you could say, you should have done it this way. Or you should have never stopped at all. There's several points in that story where depending on who you are, you may have handled it differently. Because loving others is difficult. And loving others is messy. And the reality is, too, let's not forget, and I think this helps us have grace for the situation, sometimes um, being loved is very difficult because we're not always very easy to love. It goes both ways. But loving others, we can can preach a really strong message here about loving people near and loving people who are different, and I think we can be adamant about the fact that it takes sacrifice and and it's hard and it takes us being out of our comfort zone in order to do it, and it takes laying aside our personal preferences to do it well, but at the same time, it's messy and it's difficult And there's going to be times where you second guess, and there's going to be times where you question and you wonder, did I do the right thing? But see, that's the beauty of where we started. If we know our identity in Jesus, then collectively we encourage each other to love. And collectively, we encourage each other to act in wisdom. And collectively, we go into the community and we love the people around us in the best way that we can. And in all of those moments where it's difficult and it's messy and you're not sure what to do, you're not sure, should I send this text message? Should I pick up that, that person? Should I, should I get something to, to help in this situation or, or would that be too much? For all of those moments where it's difficult, we remember that in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. And so our approach then is to love intentionally, to love actively, and to not use some of these other things um, that are difficult just as an excuse. And i got to be honest, I think we in our hearts know the difference between, hey, I don't think I can do this, and I'm just making an excuse. 
But in the economy of God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. So let's remember our identity as the body of Christ and love others who are near and far from us. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for the fact that you have demonstrated your love to us and then empowered us to actually go and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe. And to find out more about Christian Church, please visit our website at cconline.cc or visit our YouTube page by searching Christian Church Warrington and Napa for more video content. Have a great day.